Hey everyone, and welcome to 1.21 Gigawatts. I am Peter, that is Matt, and we talk about movies on this show. And on this episode, we are talking about Dunkirk, which is the new Christopher Nolan film uh, about, obviously, the Dunkirk evacuation in World War Two. Quite notable, I feel like Christopher Nolan's quite an, an event filmmaker. Like, I feel like it's a big deal whenever he's got a new one coming out. You know, I remember being really excited for Inception and Interstellar. Obviously, the Batman movies, which are kind of yeah. events in and of themselves anyway, but... Um, I feel like he's made such a name for himself that any film he's putting out every couple of years, uh, it's a big deal and everyone goes to see. So we'll start spoiler free, as we always do, and we'll give you a warning before we get to spoilers halfway through. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. And now, I think first things first, uh, we're both fans of Nolan. Yep. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I I love his stuff. I, I mean, we just did like, Memento on 1.21 in Flux and... Man, that that movie holds up. It is does it? I need to give it a rewatch. It's been a couple of years since I've seen it. Honestly, it gets better with each rewatch. Yeah, it really does because you, you really you start to think about what what the ending means for the rest of the story and right. or what the start of the story means for the rest of the story, depending on how your point it's, of view. It's odd that he came out of the gate with such a unique way of telling the story, hmm. and then each film after that became a lot more, you know. So what I'm looking for, not as unique, but like you had the Nolan flair, but it was traditional. That's the word, storytelling. Yeah. You know, you had Insomnia and and Batman Begins and the Prestige. But certainly so, Prestige. I mean, I would argue that Prestige's uh, narrative structure is actually even more unique and complicated than Mementos is. I feel like it's a magic trick where if you know what you're looking for, like it's not not like Memento where. You have the black and the white, and then the color, and you're piecing well, it together. Memento's very clear, but it's also got a very clear structure where it's well, yeah. part of it's going forward and part of it's going backwards, and it's very easy right. to see after a couple of scenes, okay, I understand where each of these is going, you can place them in your hand. Mm-hmm. Whereas Prestige, you've got narrations within narrations within narrations, and it gets very Whoa. complex. It's like Inception. It's kind of like Inception. Well, here's here's my the point, I think, of this past couple of minutes of conversation is, one, we both really like Nolan, and two, he is often known for playing with narrative structure and doing things yep. in an interesting order or sort of being inventive with it, playing around with it. So, Matt, I mean, I don't really feel like I need to sum up the plot. It's basically a bunch of soldiers no. are trying to evacuate yeah. uh, France because the Nazis are closing in on them and they're trying to get home. It seems very difficult, almost impossible. And yeah. everyone kind of felt like, oh, we're screwed. And that's kind of the, yeah. the plot of the movie. So, Matt, did you, did you like Dunkirk? Did you enjoy so, it? on a technical level, I enjoyed it very much. On a story level, I there was a lot to be desired story-wise. So it, it's this weird thing that I enjoyed that it was a story on three fronts. Like you got the sea, land, and air aspect of an evacuation versus I, – I feel like another filmmaker just would have stuck with the one group and told the story from there. But here, Nolan has like it – you know, again, it's on three fronts. Yeah, um, I have to so, say, I have to say, right. I am very conflicted with Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not typically super excited about war movies. There's obviously some that are great and they kind of stand above the the rest of them. Yeah. But I'm not particularly excited by war movies. So you know, when I heard Nolan was doing a war movie, I was kind of like, oh, okay, right. Like I was kind of hoping, okay, Nolan hopefully will transcend what I typically think of as a war movie, and in some ways he does, mm-hmm. but. I kind of, like, my first instinct when I heard he was doing something like this was that, okay, I'm probably going to be very impressed from a filmmaking standpoint, 
but I've got a feeling I'm going to walk out of it thinking it's my least favourite of his films. And honestly, that kind of held true. Uh, Dunkirk is my least favourite Nolan film, and I'm including Following in that, which I actually really yeah. like, Following. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not that down on it as you are. Not that you're down on it. Yeah, I'm not down on it. I still just... agree that it's a good movie. Like I'm still... I'm still telling people to go to the theater and see it because it's worth seeing on the big screen. Mm. Um, because again, because Nolan's an event movie, you know, it's and and it has a summertime feel to it. And and see, my favorite um, my favorite filmmaker is Steven Spielberg, and I can't, I haven't been able to tell people to go see a Spielberg movie in a long time. So just the fact that. This isn't, I don't think, Nolan's best effort, but it's still worth a watch. Is... Well, it, here, here's the weird thing, though, is, like, technically it is, like, a marvel. Like, it, like what he does with this camera, some of the shots, like, the opening, mm-hmm. like, ten minutes was, like, captivating. Like, it was really drawing me yeah. into what was going on. Uh, like, all the stuff with the planes, with Tom Hardy's character, all look gorgeous. There's mm-hmm. a lot of really good stuff in here. But, can I ask you a question? What was Tom Hardy's character's name? I've got a question for well, you. That... I, I need to re- I'll rebuttal you with another question. Uh-huh. Outside of George, name me one character. That's that's my point. That that's my point is, I I wanted to like Tom Hardy's character, but there's nothing much to go there outside. He's a pilot and he seems to be really good at it. Like the obstacles that Nolan gives him he to seem, deal he, with. He seems good and he seems dedicated. That is the one sort of character point you get from. And him. That's He's kind it. of fearless. But the problem I have with this this movie as a whole is I think every single scene on its own is actually fantastically done it's just mm-hmm. that there's not really like he, he went for this kind of relentless like constant tension the problem is though is that I never really cared about any of the characters all that much because there, right. there's not really much to them so I was impressed for the first like 20-30 minutes and then it started to get kind of old because I got to the point where I'm like, okay, you need, I need to start to connect to these characters and it just kind of never came. It just kept doing the tension thing. It kept doing the, oh, the ship's filling up with water or there's bombs coming or there's this or there's that. And it kept yeah. doing the thing. And it made me actually kind of compare it to Fury Road in my head yeah. a little bit because Fury Road's known for being kind of relentless and it's just, oh, it's all mm-hmm. one big chase movie. And it is, to a point. But that movie really understands how to there's build still the character. development. It still it builds yeah. character. It still has downtime from you know here or there, but it builds even during the action scenes. It builds character and it builds these strong characters. Whereas in this, I think even intentionally to a point, you can't even really tell a lot of the soldiers apart. Oh. Uh, you know, they're all wearing the same uniforms. They all have very similar you know faces. It's very difficult. I, I wanted to know more about those characters. I mean, it get it, and then I feel when we get to the C section, I felt Mark Rylance was doing a hell of a lot more than what was on that page. Just the way he carried himself, he had that British stoicism. Uh, the the C section was definitely the like because the, the whole C segment in the movie is like the idea that the public fleet has been called in. Like they're, they're, they've asked the right. public on all their sort of privately owned boats to go out and try and help with the evacuation. And that's he he's on his way with his son, and then this kid named George who's a teenager. Um, and honestly, yeah, that's definitely the, the time you get the most out of characters because they actually. Spend a, time with them. Use their names a lot more. It still feels a bit truncated, but it, it, they do use their names a lot more, and you get a sense of like a relationship between them. Whereas the rest of the movie, like especially the the main sort of soldiers on the beach, like all the yeah. ones trying to evacuate, they are very like everything's just from from the word go. It's survive, survive, right. survive. You know whether it's you know water, whether it's bombs, whether it's other soldiers, you know German soldiers or whatever. Like, right. it's all survive, survive, survive. 
and it keeps doing that and like sometimes you can be light on character development you can and it can work like uh, there's certain types of movies where it does actually function um but this one i think is almost a bit too relentless to the point where i like when it got to the ending right and it got to like you know there's moments that are supposed to be these grand moments of like oh thank god this has happened or thank god this and i just kind of wasn't feeling the emotion and I'll be honest. Look, when I say it was kind of getting old for me, the, the tension and the constant, you know, this constant keep doing the the big ten stuff. All mm. of it was really well shot. All of it was really well filmed. All of it was scene by scene done very well. But all, that's all it was. It just kept being more of that. And then by the time I got to about halfway through, I was starting to get a little bit bored because yeah. I was just kind of noticing this is all it is, and I'm not really getting any deeper connection. And then. And I know this is a weird complaint to make about a movie that's, you know, based on a, a true event and all the rest mm-hmm. of it. But it never really does anything surprising. Like, it just kind of plays out the exact way it seems like it's going to play out from the word go. There's no... And I, I don't want to use the word twist, but there's no arc for anything. There's no subversion of any expectations. No, it's, it's, it's just, a straight line. Like, yes. It just, it starts, it's like a train. Once it starts rolling, it keeps going until it reaches its destination. And and that's where I feel like the he got hung up on the presentation versus the content. Because there's the parts where the three stories start to overlap. And, like, you recognize the the boat. Well, that's something, that yeah, that, that's something we've not uh, mentioned, actually. The, the three mm-hmm. segments, they're, they're all different times. Uh, we start yep. the land and it says it's a week it starts yep. the 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 boat. It says it's a day. Uh, it starts the planes, and it's an hour. And the idea is that they're all going to like meet up. The ending point is going to be the same for all of them. They're all going to eventually right. overlap. Uh, but that's how long we're we're spending mm-hmm. sort of time wise with each one. Um, and that's where the narrative stuff comes in. And that's actually one of my biggest complaints in the movie. Actually, oh yeah, is that I thought it was going to do more fun stuff with that because there's a point where a character from one appears in the other, right? And I went, right. oh, this is interesting. What are you going to do with him? And then it did nothing. Yeah, were you expected more like a Rashomon thing where, where Kinda, you see yeah. it from yeah. yeah, where you see it from different perspectives, but it's not exactly what you see. Like, because in Rashomon, you're getting the same story from all those different perspectives, but on each retelling, you learn a little bit more about what the actual truth is, right? Yeah. And I felt here not that there needed to be a truth. But again, you named one section the mole, so you're kind of expecting, at least I was, some spy subterfuge or maybe it's going wrong on because of this character. And there's nothing. You're just you're staying with the same guys and you're seeing the same thing over, but it's the same exact thing that you've already seen. You know? Yeah. And I felt there was there were spots to change it up, like like when with the pilot, you know, we we see what happens with him. And then we just get his perspective the rest of the movie. And it's like, well, okay, this is what we saw from from the pilot's point of view, but now we're seeing it from the, the C's, you know, point of view. So I don't know. It was... Again, yeah. I, I want to reiterate it. Like, Disappointed. In terms of presentation, <laughs> it is absolutely immaculate. The, the filmmaking here is involved is gorgeous. Um the opening is the strongest because at that point I'm still expecting to like grow more attached to because it's, it's quite typical to open with like a, a tense thing and then yeah. grow to with the characters afterwards. That's fine. When, when you see that character try to get water and the hoses have been shut off because it's in war, like they are in a war zone, you know, I thought that that set up the stakes really well right there. 
because yeah, you get a sense that they're desolate. They're you know hopes kind of yeah. dwindling, and you, you see lots of soldiers sort of die just sort of randomly, and they just yeah. kind of have to accept that that's constant possibility. And it just like it, it does this thing of because I, I remember one of the things that got me actually excited about this movie is uh, when Daniel Nolan or someone else uh, involved in it said that I mean it's set during a war, but it's more of a, a survival thriller than it is anything else. It just happens to be during yeah. a war, and that got me kind of excited. And then, but the, honestly, the end result, I kind of feel just as cold as I as I typically do with a yeah, war story. Yeah, it's very it's it's very sterile though. Like it's yeah. For, we, we've talked before, uh, so I, I brought up Spielberg for a reason. People consider Saving Private Ryan to be like one of the best World War Two movies ever made, and I didn't watch it in a while, so I gave it a rewatch last year, and it's very saccharine and it lays emotion on very thick. Mm. So I feel like Dunkirk's almost the inverse where it's so it's so sterile and there's no like nothing needs to be saccharine but there should be some emotion there and there's not like i get that these guys are trying to survive but it's a war movie i signed up for that when when i bought the ticket like i don't need to be reinforced that this is this is the way war is war as hell that's kind of always the point of these movies so by the time you get to the end, and it is, it does end so cold. Still, like there's no change. Like you said, it's a flat line, and I expect more out of Nolan. And even though none of his movies are actually warm, like I'm going back through his, I think, I feel like Interstellar weirdly is almost the warmest because there's that family dynamic at play. Yeah, I mean, people, people, I've heard people say Nolan's characters are typically quite cold, and they are colder to like compare them to a lot of other things and a lot of other movies but I don't I, I think this was completely devoid of any any character whatsoever like I, I had no connection to anything whereas I did have connections to most of his other movies yeah, like me too uh, you know take your pick Inception Interstellar Memento Insomnia even like all of them like, well and Insomnia you're you're with Pacino from the first scene like when you see what he does and where that leads him down the road you're invested in what that character does going forward. Is he going to make it worse for himself or is he going to do what's right? And here there's kind of none of that. You're like, you know, the Navy's coming. Well, when I say the Navy, the public Navy is coming Hmm. right to, to help people. And you know that the pilots patrolling the sky, trying to give cover, even if he's just one man, but the rest of it is just Harry Styles is in this, right? And I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, He's he's a boy bander. He has a very noticeable face. So once he showed up, I was distracted by him. And I can't even tell you the character's name. Like, and he becomes a central figure about, what would you say, a third of the way through? I have no idea who it is, so I have no idea. I don't know. Okay, so there's there's the problem. <laughs> he's, the, he's, he's the soldier that joins up with the other two that we were following in the beginning. Oh, okay, right, okay. Yeah, and he kind of... the the focus shifts to him and when they're in the the boat uh, as it's getting shot. And that was the other thing. So Nolan makes us worry about things, but then because of the way that the structure is, we see kind of in the future, because when it shifts to the the plane, which is the most recent, given that's an hour, we see how things have become. So it kind of, to me, it kind of ruins the tension there because we saw certain things play out before, the scenes have played out. Here's, here, I don't want to, like, I feel like we're being really negative here and I want to compliment some other things because there is actually a lot of ideas in this movie that I actually, I really like. Mm-hmm. 
Those... Dude, Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh, I loved his character as the Navy guy in the, in the short uh, stuff that he, we got to see. He's whatever. He's, he's just like typical noble war hero man. Yeah. He gets to make the one joke in the movie. So <laughs> yeah, true. He makes the one joke, and the entire film he gets to make that. Um, that was all set up for that, guys. I just plus Alexander Bernal. There's some things I do really like about this movie. I, I like that it does. I don't think this is much of a spoiler to say that you never actually see a single German soldier in the entire film. No. Uh, they're this unseen force, and I actually like that. I like this idea yeah. that it's this force that you don't ever see. Um, it's a I, sense of dread. I appreciate like. that. I appreciate that attempt of a sense of dread, that attempt of the, the horror of the situation where things can happen at any point. Like, I, I like that. There was a lot of specific choices about what to show and what not to show that I actually really appreciated. But again, I just... <laughs> there's, just there's, a, there's a point where I, I just... I realised this is all it is and I was kind of waiting for it to end, if I'm honest. And that, that kind of yeah. hurts to say that. Because like, someone who loves Nolan's movies to feel that way halfway through one of his films... Feels really shit, to be honest. I'm, yeah. I'm really. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't that bad because I was enjoying the aviation scenes. So I was kind of just waiting for the next one, you know, and because I liked the way that he shot those. And I can't tell if they were in like actual plane cockpits when they filmed them, or if it was just a bunch of CG, like if they were up in the sky. Because I, I wouldn't put it past Nolan. Mm. He loves his practical effects, but like the way that they were shot and. When we get the view of him trying to shoot down these enemy planes, it just it felt like like footage I've seen from World War Two, and I thought that did a really good job. And for me, it was exciting too because I just I like plane elements in movies, especially dogfights. And while these weren't necessarily the best dogfights I've ever watched, I thought they were fun to watch. The plane stuff did look great. I mean, that's the thing though; all of it looked greatly. Like there was not visually, there's not a sour note in the whole thing. Yeah. But I also honest, like Mark Rylance, because I'll get off the visuals and, and talk, because like you said, that's easy to do. Yeah. I thought Mark Rylance was really good, like I, I mentioned that earlier, with his, not with his arc, but just, there's something going on with him, and you know it's not quite right, and you don't find out what it is until, like, the last part of the movie, and it, it tied that, like, I don't want to say that story up in a bow, but... It made that all his actions seem to be more important once you find that piece out, and I like that because he played it the same way throughout. Honestly, I I am disappointed. I I, I can't not be, and I think there's a solid. Like I wouldn't rate it I'm that. I'm troubled way. by this because I'm used to to Pete being the the Nolan apologist, like Dark Knight Rises. Um, but you know, happily, this is I'll, weird for me. I, I expected watch- me to be in your spot. I will happily watch Dark Rises again ten times before I watch this again. <laughs> well, you know, uh, and I know people are going to roll their eyes at that. I know some people are yeah. going to be like, "What are you insane? What?" Well, here's the thing: like, I actually connect to the characters in that movie. I care about what's going on. I care about yeah. the themes. And honestly, what part of my problem with war movies, I think in general, is that I feel like there's this assumption from the filmmakers that because it's based on a real tragedy, I'm instantly going to care by default before they even yeah. do anything. That's not how it works. No, no. You still have to make me care. I don't care if this is based on a real thing. I don't care if the people involved actually suffered or whatever. You still have to make me care about these people in the movie and on your terms. Yeah, I agree there. And I don't think this movie does that. Like I, like I, th- I think it, it was it was fine for like twenty thirty minutes. 
I mean, I still feel like it was setting things up, and then it felt like, oh wait, it's never actually going to give me any more, and it just, it kept, there was a point where I was just kind of sick of seeing water fill into rooms, there was a, there was a point where I was just kind of sick of people swimming away, and yeah. stuff like that. There's almost a mathematic formula to how he structured this movie, because, yeah, when we start seeing water fill stuff, we keep seeing it for like a solid 20 minutes. I, I got numb, I got numb to what the movie yeah. was doing uh, by the well, halfway point. Yeah, once water started filling up one of the ships, I was just like, well, this is a good pee break because I, I really have to go. And I came back and they were the water was still filling the ship, so yeah, you, I didn't miss you, you, anything. Like, yeah. See, I expected me going into this. So I, I leave the, the movie yesterday and I go to check in our Facebook group, Mild Fuzz, for those that don't know, to, to check the discussion thing. And I'm expecting myself to be the negative Nancy on this one. And I go on there and Pete's just kind of like, yeah, I think it's my least favorite Nolan movie, and I almost dropped my phone. <laughs> like I'm standing outside the theater, and you know it was a usual suspects moment. So this is just this is just weird for me. I don't know. I'm I'm off it's, my game. Honestly, it's usually my least favorite. I, I like Dark Knight Rises gets a lot of shit from a lot of people. I like that more. Insomnia often gets ignored by people. I like that more. I just I care about yeah. those characters. I feel his, so- out of his non-Batman movies, I definitely this is on the lower end. I think because I, I like to separate those two. Uh, into because the Dark Knight movies do feel like they are Nolan movies, but they're Batman movies at the same time. Whereas Insomnia, Memento, Inception, and Interstellar, they all have these bigger themes. And not that the Batman movies don't, but but yeah, this is definitely at the lower end for me. I think I think only Insomnia I have lower, and that I don't put that on Nolan because it's still a good watch, but it's a remake. So right then, full spoilers for Dunkirk from this point on, you've been warned. We're evacuating the non-spoiler land. So, right, so first up, so we're introduced to this character, I have no idea what his name is, um, but he, he's basically the main character, for lack of a better, it's, it's what I'm going to refer to as, is the main character. And he okay. meets this other guy who's silent, and right from the start, like he's burying a body in the sand, and he's, he's putting Let's on clothes. Let's call him shifty and silent going forward, because... That dude was shifty from the from the time it started. And granted, nerves of war, right? He's trying to get beyond the thing. But I didn't trust him going forward. He, and he, that's a problem. That's your main character. Here's the thing I did. Because I actually... You did? I immediately... I, I guessed who he was and what, what his whole thing was immediately. I, I knew... Okay. I knew he wasn't a German. I was like, no, no, he's just French. Oh, no, no. I'm talking about the other guy that you're calling the main character. Oh, him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. No, from, even... from the... I never even suspected anything with him. Really? Wow. Okay. We read it differently. Because well, for first, see, see when the title came out saying the mole, I never actually even thought that was referencing, like a mole, like a, a person. I thought there was a deeper meaning. Having having it be Nolan, I well, was I, I, I think I, I think it's been. intentional that you might think that, like, oh, it's like, oh, is this yeah. one of these? And I immediately got that. Okay, he's probably not just another English shoulder. He's probably someone yeah. else. Um, but that's what I was thinking. But certainly, by the time it got to the the part where other characters were thinking it was German, it was it was as soon as um it was as soon as one of the generals said, "Oh, we're not helping the French, even though they're on our side." Yeah. As soon as he said that, I'm like, "Oh, he's just a French soldier who's yeah. trying to escape." That's all. Like, yeah. I, I I just I got that pretty quickly, which isn't a big deal yeah. necessarily. No. But that was just again, it was just another thing where I'm like, okay, right, there's no real twist to this to me, especially since his story doesn't really go anywhere. He he just kind of. No. He ends up dying, like in one of the yeah. segments later on, and it's just kind of like, okay, he's gone now. Well, 
And you already know his intentions. You know he's not a bad guy when he saves everybody on that first ship that sinks. And when well, he gets hit thing. by the torpedo. As soon as, as soon as accusations start coming up, it's like, well, he's done nothing but constantly save people throughout the movie. Exactly. So I don't really not trust him, even if he is not what he... I mean, he's not yeah. said anything, but even if he's pretending to be someone he's not, right. I don't even for a second think that he's untrustworthy. And I guess the point there is that when he's when they're all holding their guns up at him, you're, like, you're supposed to feel bad for him, you're supposed to feel like, no, no, this is wrong. Huh. And I guess he kind of do, like, to a point. Uh, but, see, I didn't. But, but I get where they're coming at, that they need to often the load, right, to get the ship out to sea. But at the, at the same time, I don't think one person's going to do that. Like... You got twenty guys in there. I don't think one one dude is is going to. So it, it felt hollow. That whole, but yeah, the scene is intense because anytime you get guys in a room pointing guns at each other, it's gonna feel tense because you know what their intentions are. But yeah, mm. they're just. I was more worried about the incoming water than I was about if he was a German or not. You know, because that that's the greater threat to those guys. Yeah, I. So we had that. We also we had. Um... What's his face? <laughs> I'm forgetting his name now. Like his his actor name, Scarecrow, Killian Murphy. Oh, Killian Murphy. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, um. So he 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 sort of the the, the George and uh, Mark Rylance's characters they they find him. They're on the boat and they come across mm-hmm. him on some debris uh, on the you know like a ship that's went down. Great looking shot, right? Like that. And they oh. they get him and he's like shell shocked. He doesn't want to do mm-hmm. it. And when he finds out looking back to Dunkirk, they even like kind of question should they lock him in the you know down yeah. deck because he may try and stop them and all the rest of it and he he eventually like in a struggle pushes George the young kid down the stairs and that that makes him hit his head he eventually like he can't see and then by the end of the movie he's dead like he's he's, he's blind and, and he's given an off screen death that doesn't like it's so cold well, I, I didn't mean that. The, no, because okay. no, I get the point of that though. The point of that is that uh-huh. it's cold. I, I don't think that's a complaint. Okay. Um, if anything, this is actually the at least the best attempt in the movie to actually get some sympathy from the audience because yeah. George at least has a character, and yeah. then he's killed. It's all. I mean, maybe that's the intention that the one person in the entire film that actually has some personality dies. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe that's kind of the point is that you feel yeah. that because well, he shouldn't be there to begin with, right? He just hops on. Well, that's true as well, yeah. Boat. But that's the point. He, you know, he feels determined to help. He has a right. character. Right. So he, he he dies, and, you know, Kelly and Murphy keeps asking, is the kid okay? Because he doesn't really know. He's, he's pushed him down the stairs. He's kind of concerned yeah. about it. And he's, he keeps asking, is he okay? And it's after he's, it's after the kid actually dies that he once again asks the uh, the son, uh, is the kid going to be okay? And that's when the, he finally realizes what he's going through. And he actually decides to lie and say, yeah, he's going to be fine. To, yeah. and it's the closest it gets to actually giving me some sort of feeling because yeah. okay right he understands what he's going through and he's going to lie to make him feel better uh, regardless of what he's done of the bad thing right. that's happened honestly it felt kind of a little bit hollow it felt like too little too late for me and yeah. even though Kelly Murphy was doing the best they could with it and even though it was hitting some notes for me it, it felt just too little too late Um and this is the thing. This was the thing that I was real disappointed in. So they find Killian Murphy, and then after the our main characters from the beach are on the ship, and they think uh-huh. they're they're away scot free, and then the ship gets hit by a torpedo. The torpedo came in yeah. and looked quite cool, actually. That was a nice shot. Yeah, it did. Um, and then 
the ship sinks, they have the whole Titanic-esque, you know, guess get off the ship as it's sinking and all right. the rest of it. And they're swimming to the lifeboats. And Kelly and Murphy's character's on the lifeboats. And he's yep. like, no, we're too full, you have to go back. Uh, back to the beach, there'll be another ship. Yada, yada, yada. And I went, oh shit, it's him. Now we've seen a character in two of the timelines, two parts of the story. Yep. Oh, what are we going to do with him? Is there more to his story now that leads to where we see him at the... That, you know, in the in the boat section, and no. there's nothing. You never see him again in this this timeline of the movie. And I was no. like, really, we're doing nothing with that. I get all excited because honestly, at this point in the movie, this was when I was starting to feel a little bit disconnected. I was starting to feel a little bit numb to everything that was going on. And then Kelly mm. and Murphy showed up in this part of the movie, and I went, oh shit, this is when things are going to start being interesting and start doing something, and there's going to be surprises in the store. And then it did nothing with it. It just went back yeah. to what it'd been. You know. Honestly, yeah, by the time like that, that ship sank is when I was starting to lose interest. And then we went back to the beach and it was them going to this little boat and then we had all the standoff and the, the bullet holes with the water coming in. All of that, by that point in the movie, I was kind of out. I was disconnected. I was like, I was no longer engrossed and I was just kind of checking my watch and being like, okay, how long have we got left? Oh, man, um, yeah. That's where, that's, See, I, that's where it lost me. Yeah, I was, I was the least invested in the soldiers on the land. Uh, and... I like to see in the air portions. A I whole was, lot more. I, I so, was, even though what they were doing was wrong. I was still invested when they were trying to sneak on the boat, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was still somewhat invested because, like you say, you've got that heroic moment where uh, Frenchie like right. goes back to open the door, to open the hatch. Yeah, and that was fine. But it was after that. It was once we start to go back to the beach and stuff where I was just starting to like yeah. lose interest in what was going on. Uh, and it hurts to say that it really does. I'm. It does. And if, See, if, my, that, if my thoughts are more scattered than usual, I apologise. I feel like I'm having a hard time uh, control my, with my, it. my thoughts in this. I really am. I, uh, I like Tom Hardy's... His whole through line is he gets hit by enemy fire early on and his fuel gauge gets broken. So he's on like on this ticking clock of not knowing exactly how much fuel he has. Yeah. And I like that as a device because he's... He, they're in the smallest time set, right? It's an hour of their time that we're spending with them versus a day yeah, and the, a week. Theirs is like the closest to real time, I guess, in terms of the Yeah, and, and so I liked him and Collins. I remember, that's the only other character's name I remember is the other pilot that gets downed okay, and ends you. up... I remember he's Scottish. That was my one thing. I remember yeah. his friend being Scottish, but that was... Uh, I couldn't tell Also, the was. other character that stood out was the other Scottish guy on the boat um, that's trying to escape with the main character's was in The Force Awakens. He's the random Scottish guy oh, is it? that tells Han <laughs> okay. that they he owes money Never, to the Kanja clan. I, I didn't recognize uh, him. Obviously, I heard the voice because like he's shouting yeah. out you know, things in the thick accent. It's hard not to notice him. Yeah, Collins is okay as a character. He's kind of like, they, they do the whole thing where his plane gets shot down, Hardy like, waves at him thinking he's okay, but when the, when the boat gets to him, yeah. he's actually sinking. He can't get stuck. out of the cockpit. He's stuck, yeah. yeah he's, he's, he's actually waving for help. Uh, mm-hmm. But the boat gets to him and it's just like fine. I'm disconnected. That, if, if I have to sum up my feeling on this movie, it is visually stunning, but I was disconnected for most of it. And I was kind of watching it knowing it was a movie. Like I could see the, the edge of the screen. I know that's just like a weird thing to say, but it just like I could see the box around it. And I was like, okay, I'm just yeah. watching something happen on it. You didn't see it. You didn't see it in glorious 70 millimeters. So you didn't have to. Uh, mine, mm-hmm. I had no box. It was great. 
And then the ending, honestly, like, okay, it was nice because like, George at one point says, like, oh, he wanted to do something that he'd get him in the paper. And at the end, right. over the montage, when everyone gets back, he his friend goes to the, the paper and gets him in there and says, you know, it says, you know, hero, only 17 dies, yeah. uh, Dunkirk, whatever. See, and I don't know if it's Zimmer's score or if it's the Churchill speech because he's, like, one of the greatest orators uh, of that's ever been, you know, recorded. Uh, that That got me. A little, but I still think that's not as much Nolan as it is well, just... It, it didn't, but and I'll tell you why it didn't, is because that's for me is where it just went into the usual saccharine war hero movie speech at the end. Yeah. Well, I guess I was a little bit familiar with that speech going, you know, coming in, being a history nerd. So to hear it and after seeing what we had seen at Dunkirk, you know, like, I don't know, that, that hit me and I started to get a little misty, but, you know by that point it's too little too late like you know but yeah i guess i'll just put that on zimmer then because he's a wizard with, with the music yeah zimmer's, zimmer's good um yeah the score it... i thought was pr- pretty good it was it was tense when it needed to be like and i usually don't notice the score so you know i think that's that's big um, I'll be honest, I didn't notice it that much. I thought it, I had its good moments. I don't think it stood out to me as much though as some of his other, you know, collaborations with Nolan. Um, yeah. So there was a whole thing towards the end where the soldiers were assuming they were going to be shunned in the streets for losing, like, oh, we're failures. You know, we're coming back. We didn't win. Yeah. Um, and like, because they think there's a there's a blind guy handing out like because when they get off the boat back in when they're back in England, there's, yeah. there's this blind guy handing out like blankets and you know what food or whatever. And he right. and they think, oh, he can't even look at us because you know we failed. Uh, and then obviously we end with those two characters on the train, and like they think they're they're going to be shunned. And then you know those these kids run up when the train stops next to the window and hand them drinks, and it's like, okay. And like the cut of that kid's jib, he's like what nine, and he's handing out beers to soldiers. Like, different time period, Matt. Different time. I know, but I just yeah. like that he was just like, did he have those on standby? Was he drinking those? And he was like, oh, I'm going to share with these guys. Like, you know, uh, I like that, though. That was another bit of humor. Yeah, that, that was kind of rough, that that point of it. I, I don't know. Do you know what it was, though? It's because it, it felt like it came out of nowhere. Like, the rest of the movie, mm-hmm. not, no one even mentions, like, the Yeah, about... the idea that they're retreating. And yeah. it's not a retreat. It's an evacuation. It's like a tactical thing. Yeah, they're just surviving. You know? like, that's what it, it just feels like yeah. they're surviving all the movie. And then all of a sudden, when they're on the way home, they're like, Oh, we're going to be seen as failures. Everyone's going to hate us. Yeah, it was. Just, it, it just felt like it came out of nowhere towards the end. I just, I don't know. It, yeah, no, I agree. I didn't even think about it till now. And but yeah, it felt that makes zero sense. Honestly, the movie as a whole feels very sterile, and it feels less like a movie and more like a fictionalized raw footage account of the events. Yeah, like like when you're watching a TV show and it says dramatized for whatever. Yeah. You know? Um, have you seen Five Came Back yet? It's the Netflix documentary about the mm. filmmakers going to World War II. It feels very much like one of those, which they weren't quite propaganda, but they were, you know, the, the Hollywood studios let these five directors kind of make the films they wanted. And, you know, a lot of them just shot real life footage to show the people back home what was going on. It kind of felt like that. Only this wasn't real footage; it was re- recreation. So, I guess that's a that's good for Nolan because he attained that. But there's less story there than you know the real, real life type thing. I, I, I'm running out of things. To, I I feel like I feel like I've not been able to go through it 
sort of and talk about all the various elements that I normally do because I'm too busy being shell shocked that, <laughs> that I don't yeah. love Nolan's. Do you're film. like Killian Murphy here, man. Like you're, you're gonna push somebody. I don't know. I I I, I feel and it's not like a, again. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just. It's not my kind of movie overall. I don't love it. I felt disconnected. It feels kind of cold. Yeah. And as a result, like I, I don't think I'm going to watch it again. Oh, see, I'm still going to have it for the collection. I you think... know, and I'll probably I'll give it a rewatch. Like if it's on like HBO, there's certain things I'll tune in for. Like again, I did like Mark Rylance and I like the aviation stuff, so I'll probably tune in for those parts. But yeah, this is not something where like oh, I'm in the mood to watch Dunkirk today. Not like. <laughs> The Prestige or Inception, like I get that. I get that Inception thing like twice a year, where I oh, need yeah. to watch like, that. Like I say, we we did Memento just this past week for Influx, me and Connor, and those moments of that movie where it hits me hard, and I like, I feel the emotion from it, and I love what it's playing with, and the ideas that it's playing with, mm-hmm. and uh, the subtext that's going on. And here I feel like there's not a lot of subtext. It's very just on the surface. Uh, yeah. Need to survive. I don't feel like. He's distressed. I am distressed. <laughs> I have a point I wanted to make. And okay, right, here's... That's not the same point, but I want to talk about this. I also... I, I want to point out, like... Obviously, I, I was like, okay, it's a war movie, so I'm probably going to like it as much as the rest, but I'm hoping I'll still really love it. Um, like, then the reviews hit, right? The embargo lifted start of the week, I think, and it was like, you know, high 90% on Rotten Tomatoes and all that. And some of the quotes that these critics were coming out with, some of them were saying, oh, it's maybe Nolan's best movie. And it's maybe this, and it, it, and the the one that really sticks out to me though, because I mean it's one thing for someone to say it's maybe his best movie. Okay, opinions differ. Like people have different orders of things and whatever, right? All fine, but the one, mm-hmm. the one I remember, it was like, oh, it feels like the narrative structure and Memento and the Prestige were just were just tests for what he does in Dunkirk. It was all building up to Dunkirk, and I don't get it at all. I feel like Dunkirk doesn't even scratch the surface of what those two movies do with the no. narrative structure. I mean, so I did some research on this last night, and he wrote this script like 25 years ago. So it's been in his brain since then. Mm. So I can kind of see how they say that those other two were a test. But I I don't feel like if this is a test, it kind of fails. Because like you just said, the other two do it better. So I just think I think if he had this script a long time ago, it's obviously something he wanted to make. Obviously, successful enough where they're going to give him the money to achieve it. Like you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. the reason why you could do Memento in a low budget is because oh, it's, it's a smaller film and you can do it with little money. And there's, but now he's mm-hmm. this huge superstar; he can do what he wants. He's obviously said I want to do Dunkirk, and you know, Warner Brothers have been like, yes, by all means, make us money. Uh, they're they're quite happy to hand it over. Yeah. And it is a passion project, and that's why it's kind of a shame. It's a shame that a passion project for him is probably the least interesting film that I think he's made. Um, and I, I legitimately feel that way. I, I really just wasn't into it all that much at all. I, I felt very... Uh, I felt like he, he's doing all this fancy stuff with these with these technical side of things, with the camera work, and I almost felt alienated as a viewer. Like, I'm not being paid attention to it. And, I, and that's a weird thing to feel when you're watching a movie. Like, the filmmaker's not paying attention to you. <laughs> but that's kind of how it felt. Once it got uh, to it's a little point. weird. But no, I, I, clearly this is something you wanted to make, and that's that's fine. I'm glad it's out of the system. I really am. Uh, because I, I will be very disappointed going forward if, if more of his films start feeling more like this and less like he's, uh, he's back catalog. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried about it just because of, of Interstellar, which I did enjoy, but felt a little, not nearly as sterile as this. 
but there was that sterile, you know, space thing with it. And then we get this. I kind of want I want him to make a fun movie that's like fun for the sake of it. And not Bond, because I don't want him doing Bond. Yeah, I don't but, want him doing Bond either, because I don't like James Bond. If, like, he, if he ends up doing James Bond after a war movie, that is like the worst double bill of Nolan projects it, ever for me. Yeah. Like, I, I want him to do his Indiana Jones, whatever that is, where like, where, where Spielberg did that because he couldn't get Bond. I kind of want him to do something that he thinks is fun, like Inception. I feel like that was his like last fun of his movies, you know? So... Get get back to that. I don't in, even. In I, I don't even have a particular thing I want him to do. I just I want him to do something that excites him, but something that's not Dunkirk. Is basically <laughs> my because everything else he's done, I've loved to varying degrees. It's just this. I mean, part of his taste, part of it is that you know, it's, admittedly, I'm not like a huge war movie guy, but part of it is I, a genuine disconnect with what's going on because I don't feel like the heart of the movie's there. I feel like that's missing. It's missing that, and it tries to do it with George. They try to use George as the heart of the movie, and for me, it just felt a little bit too shallow for it to work. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I stand. It's kind of where I stand. Oh my god, let's, let's put this out of its misery. This has been let's do it. a shambles yeah, of a talk. I guess we're doing ratings. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to go 7. Because again, on a technical level, it's so good. I still enjoyed it. I'm still telling people, if you're interested, you go see it. But compared to some of the other things I've seen this year, just this summer, it doesn't, doesn't have that staying power. Yeah. Honestly, I'm probably going to go with a 7 as well. Because as much as I've been very negative, it's because I'm disappointed. It's not amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's disappointing that I, I don't love it it's disappointing that I don't feel a connection to these characters but it is a technical marvel, it's a very cold film, it's, it's something that I would recommend you watch once but yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you'd want to watch it beyond that it's it's, it's a weird place to be in so I'm going to go with a 7 as well, but I will say this I, I am shocked that you know f- we had 4 well reviewed movies in a row and mm-hmm. I never thought I'd come out of this you know, last 4 week period and say no, I preferred Spider-Man to the new Nolan movie. I preferred Baby Driver to the new Nolan movie, and I preferred uh-huh. War of the Apes. Now, War of the Apes, admittedly, always had that chance. Yeah, because that was true. That was amazing. Like, you know, I like most of Nolan's movies more than I like Homecoming. You know, Spider-Man: Homecoming. I like most of Nolan's movies more than Baby Driver, but I not not Dunkirk. And that's not to put them down. They're great movies. So like, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to put no, things I'm, down. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I, I expected just... this to to take the the title this summer thus far. Especially coming up, like we're we're hitting yeah. more of a a bit of a dead zone after, you know, the summer. So yeah, it's it's weird. It's definitely a weird one. It's 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 a shame. I, I'm kind of disillusioned by it. I'm not going to lie. So here we are. That is Dunkirk. So let us know what you think of the movie in the comments below. Uh, you may have liked it a lot more because I, I am seeing a lot of people who love it. Like there is definitely a a, a large, well welcoming reception for this film. Mm-hmm. But clearly, there's a lot of us as well who feel kind of feel kind of empty about it. So, uh, so let us know what you think in the comments. Like, subscribe, all that stuff. Get us on Twitter at Mail underscore Fuzz for channel updates. Uh, if you want to support the channel, head over to Patreon.com/slash Mail TV. Have a look over there at some of the bonuses you can get. But that is us. So once again, thank you very much for watching. Keep watching movies, and we'll see you next time, which will not be next week because uh, we don't have a movie next week. I think that next one will maybe be Dark Tower. I'll have to check the schedule, but it's a couple of yeah. weeks. But we'll see you then, wherever it may be. So thanks for watching, guys. Goodbye.